Good afternoon and welcome to this podcast on um, framing a response for local government finance practitioners to SITFA's consultation on proposed changes to indicators to its uh, Prudential Code on borrowing and treasury management services. Uh, my name is Roman Halushak. I represent Grove Consulting, and today's date is the 2nd of April 2021. And basically, the, the whole essence of this podcast is, is to try and give you um, local government finance practitioners um, some ideas as to the way they might wish to frame some of the responses that they want to make to the SIPFA consultation on the Prudential Code. Uh, later on, I'll give more details on, on how to respond and to whom uh, uh, practitioners want to or intend to send their responses to and by which date as well. Um, we want to uh, ensure that, um, that the responses are delivered by the 12th of April 2021. So hopefully this podcast will give you some ideas uh, on what to say and how to do. Obviously, this podcast represents my own views on some of the, uh, the elements that, uh, that the, that the um, consultation is addressing. Um, you may disagree with them, but hopefully they will generate um, a good debate and discussion amongst local government finance practitioners. The structure of, of what I'm going to talk about is, is roughly as below. I'm going to talk about a brief history of the Prudential Code. Uh, and indeed, uh, in April 2004, I was sort of involved at SIPFA in sort of delivering the main messages around the code. Um, I'm then going to talk about how a body reports on the code currently. Uh, and I'm going to use the example of Nottinghamshire Fire for that uh, and the elements that they put into their report on the Prudential Code, both the um, Prudential indicators and the treasury management indicators that they utilise in their reporting capacity. And a look at the background to the changes um, to the Prudential Code that SIP is proposing and why they're doing that. Um, the key themes for change, uh, and then I'm going to look at Prudential Code suggested responses, uh, and then tr to try and divide those between uh, Prudential Code Direct and Treasury Management Code as well. I'm going to sort of provide some suggested responses that people may wish to undertake. And of course, it's up to them whether they agree with those or not, but hopefully they will generate some debate uh, and discussion around what needs to be said. In terms of additional queries that the consultation needs to consider, additional issues and questions, uh, it sort of stay silent on certain things uh, and, and I'm going to try and and sort of bring those out later on in this podcast. Some of the things that perhaps the code should consider but doesn't really appear to do so. And then I'm going to try and end the, the podcast with a summary and conclusions of what might happen. Um, um, further details on how to respond to the, the code and to whom, as I said, will follow. Just want to emphasise that right now, in the time of COVID and funding pressures on local government since 2010, it is critical that local government finance professionals respond 
to this consultation on the Prudential Code for the sake of local government funding and accounting. Not only do we as practitioners, or, or in my case an ex-practitioner, have to answer the questions that were asked in the consultation, but we also need to, need to pose additional questions which we need addressing to get a true picture of the position in terms of capital finance, borrowing and investment in local government finance. So let's start with the, with the history, sort of brief history. The Presidential Code came into force in April 2004. Initially, it, it was meant to liberate local authorities from the previous restrictive capital controls and credit approvals regime. Local authority borrowing had to be prudent, sustainable and affordable. Authorities were to be uh, uh, treated in, as grown-ups in terms of, of their borrowing approaches. They would make their own considered decisions on borrowing to fund capital expenditure. And the capital expenditure was meant to provide support for the services that they delivered to their residents. This contrasts, I suppose, somewhat to, to, with, the, with the current position where uh, the, the March 2021 consultation seeks, in some ways, to row back on certain freedoms. There appears to be uh, uh, ranked disapproval by SITFA in using borrowing to fund commercial investments and borrowing in advance of need, both within the boundaries of an authority and indeed making using borrowing to fund investments outside the boundaries of the local authority that they relate to. So a couple of queries there that sort of bring in um, sort of, uh, you know, concerns. For the sole response, uh, for the sole purpose of these investments, bringing a return and uh, creating uh, sort of upwards... Uh, in terms of capital terms, um, you know, the actual returns, you know, is that the main subject of these investments? Is it to make a return or is it to provide support for the services that local government uh, offers? So it's great if local authorities can actually invest um, both within their boundaries and without those boundaries. Uh, and it's great if these investments work uh, and bring in returns. But of course, it's disaster if those investments don't work. And I'm pretty sure the, that uh, the 2000 version of, of the code uh, frowned on uh, this practice of borrowing in advance. But, but, I, but I may be wrong here. We are public bodies and borrowing public money, and we should never forget that. We do have certain responsibilities to follow. We must ensure that our borrowing is prudent, sustainable and affordable. But what are the rules for this? Let's dive into the history and find out. The Presidential Code, a historical perspective. As we said before, it was launched in April 2004 to set the scene for 
capital change. The key element was reporting key indicators to members, and we'll consider these key indicators both, both concerning borrowing and treasury management, but we'll consider those in more detail later and perhaps respond to some of, some of the questions which the, uh, the consultation prefers. We, we need to, in terms of the code when it was initially introduced, it, it was a sort of a link between capital plans and corporate plans to try to achieve the objectives of the authority. It was meant to provide greater freedom for local authorities, a greater reliance on asset management planning and capital strategies to ensure that our borrowing was for particular schemes and projects which the, um, which the Local Government Act um, sort of defined. Referring to that, that Act, Local Government Act 2003, it provided a general power to borrow for an authority's functions, a duty to set an affordable borrowing limit for the authority, a general power to invest, a minimum revenue provision and interest charged to revenue, and, the, and these were the principal revenue costs that, uh, that, that, were, that have been borne in, 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 and taken into account in terms of the uh, prudential indicators for borrowing that we will cover shortly. Usually, the full council was and will be the body that approves and revises the prudential indicators, and that's for borrowing and for treasury management. And I think, and I think the main principle of the code included affordability. Can the authority afford the capital spending that it is that that is that it is designed to achieve, and uh, can it can it afford that capital spending in revenue terms, in terms of its its MRP and its interest charges that it charges to revenue? Prudence, borrowing will be for a capital purpose, uh, and that capital purpose was usually defined as. Uh, su supporting the actual services of the authority that the authority was providing. Sustainability. The borrowing and capital costs can be funded by the local authority in the medium to long term. M minimum revenue provision, MRP, the strategy for MRP. Uh, again, something that needed to be agreed by council. So we have council agreeing the prudential indicators for borrowing, treasury management, and indeed minimum revenue provision. So the role of the council, um, the full council, was pretty important here and remains important in terms of the revisions to the prudential code. Members have got to understand what these indicators mean. Uh, and that's a crucial factor, uh, especially in this new uh, sort of... Um, consideration of the codes. There needs to be effective, rigorous and transparent asset management planning, option appraisal and capital strategies in line with the authority's corporate objectives. So in conclusion, the original 2004 position pre presented the basis of the original Prudential Code arrangements. And, and we've got to bear those in mind when we actually move into proposed changes to the 
uh, that the Prudential Code consultation is now offering us. So let's look at an example of, of sort of the current reporting of Prudential indicators that takes place. And we'll look at Not Nottinghamshire Fire and Rescue and the, as an example of this uh, reporting of Prudential indicators. So affordability. The first one there, affordability, the financing costs to the net revenue stream. That's a particularly important uh, indicator that is, that is reported. Prudence, capital expenditure and external debt to, to be actually authorised by the authority. Capital financing requirement. The authority's underlying need to borrow for capital purposes. So those three elements are particularly important in terms of capital financing, in terms of external debt, and in terms of financing costs to net revenue stream. And these are particularly important issues that are reported currently. We also look at Nottinghamshire's fire, fire and rescue reporting of its operational boundary for, for external borrowing and its authorised limit for external borrowing as well. The, and the authorised limit should always be greater than the operational boundary for, uh, for uh, the actual indicator purposes. Long-term liabilities and the like uh, uh, and finance leases are included in the operational boundary. So, so authorised limit greater than the operational boundary for borrowing. The aforementioned indicators are the current indicators, uh, and we're talking uh, sort of at, at March 2021, that are reported, uh, and the potential uh, indicators apply, applying to this financial year and the following three financial years. So they are the ones that are reported to council, and councillors sort of need to be aware of those indicators them, their magnitude and what they mean. In terms of my own experience, I found that um, members um, do re have real problems with this. And I think this is something that the revisions to the existing Prudential Code needs to take into account. We need to make sure, or we need to ensure that members fully understand the meaning of the prudential indicators that are being reported to them. And I'm not sure and I'm not clear from my experience that that's always the case. Now let's turn to examples of the current treasury management indicators um, that are reported to members over the same time periods as the, um, the borrowing indicators. And that's for this financial year and the following three financial years. So firstly, gross debt and net debt uh, taking off in the net debt figure is is taking off uh, investment values how do we finance our capital program and replace maturing loans that are that we are facing in our in our organization we have lower and upper limits for the proportions of net debt to gross debt um, in terms of our indicators and again, this is, this is a good way of measuring if we are borrowing in advance or not. 
And again, borrowing in advance, we borrow money in advance. Do we invest that money in, uh, in projects which are meant to actually support the services of the authority? Or do we invest them in projects that are uh, really designed to um, generate a, a ret an income return? Say, for example, investments in commercial property, they will generate a rent and there will also be a capital appreciation of the value of the property. Um, so which of those investment objectives do we go for in terms of the potential code? Uh, and those sort of limits, uh, those indicators are there to help uh, try and measure that. In terms of treasury management, we also have upper uh, limits for fixed and variable, variable rate interest exposures as a percentage of the debt of the authority. We also look at loan maturities uh, and we analyse those. Well, so when are certain loans maturing? Um, for example, uh, we have time periods or the Nottinghamshire report has certain time periods less than 12 months, 12 months to five years five years to 10 years, over 10 years, and over 20 years. So when are those loans maturing? Do we need to replace those loans when they mature or not? There's also an upper limit for principal sums in invested that an authority will invest for 365 days and longer. Thus, there's a comprehensive range of both of prudential in and both prudential borrowing and treasury treasury management indicators for an authority but and this is a real but do members properly understand the implications of these indicators and their meaning and i've got to reinforce again that's not been my experience it's always been difficult to um, explain the uh, both the borrowing indicators and the treasury management indicators to members. And let's be frank, it is up to members to approve those indicators. So they need to understand them. All too often, officers produce tables of indicators, present them to committees, uh, explain them a little bit, uh, uh, and the committee members sort of agree with them and nod them through. And I think that's sort of something that the revision to this Prudential Code needs to take into account and needs to take into account very, very, uh, uh, you know, prominently um, in its recommendations. I think there's much more work that needs to be done on explaining both the Treasury Management uh, and the borrowing indicators to mem members, especially around uh, minimum revenue provision strategy because minimum revenue provision strategy also needs to be approved by members. And, and there is also um, a focus on internal borrowing, um, again, which um, in terms of the definitions, internal borrowing of, of, a, of an authority is its uh, capital financing requirement minus its external borrowing. So I think there's two elements here, the MRP, and the internal borrowing, which I don't think that the that the current sit for consultation really addresses in much depth. Um, 
but yet I think these are quite critical, especially the internal borrowing, which authorities need to be uh, need to be record, and that needs to be discussed in full as well. Let's be frank. Re uh, revising indicators is all well and good, but all in the indicators are essentially backward looking and look at the position we need to look at the position where borrowing has already been undertaken so the indicators record the past not what should have happened and i think we need to focus much more on the position before loans for capital projects and purposes are approved this means much better capital option appraisal and capital strategy, financial and economic appraisal, and proper risk management of the schemes that we're investing in. So, so in terms of the indicators, it's very good that, they are, that, that there's proposals for changing the indicators, but the actual process before the indicators is, I would say, perhaps even more important. It is only by adopting the aforementioned practices that the likelihood of poor performing investments made by local authorities will be minimised. It won't happen by tinkering with backward-looking uh, and backward-facing indicators. We need to look at the capital uh, strategy, capital option appraisal, uh, and risk management processes of our investments. Uh, and this is over over the times uh, over the time periods that, that we've considered in terms of the indicators. That's this year, uh, 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 this financial year, and the following uh, following three financial years. Um, there are times um, where you know we're looking at this this issue, uh, and the National Audit Office has said uh, that the above practice. It has sort of looked at the above practices, uh, uh, and, and sort of um, uh, and said that the that the actual capital planning of authorities needs to be a lot lot better. So it's all well and good changing indicators, but let's look backward at the processes of approving capital expenditure, entering into borrowing, looking at the investments looking at the treasury management functions and seeing whether they are fit for purpose before we start calculating sheets of indicators to, for, to be approved. So let's now look at, you know, why has the consultation been launched now? I think there are certain issues that we should consider. Uh, and one of them is uh, a main one that from 2016-17 to 2018-19, about £6.6 .6 billion was spent by local authorities on commercial property investments. This constitutes a, a greater financial risk to authorities. Um, uh, it is not the role of authorities to invest solely for, um, for financial return. Um, and borrowing by them should not be for this sole purpose of a financial return. But in terms of the actual financial pressures that authorities have faced since 2010 and the huge reduction in funding, um, about 50% since 2010 
in terms of the austerity years, it's underst an understandable position uh, in terms of the 10 years of, of austerity that authorities will invest to try and earn returns. Uh, and many authorities have been forced to do this because of the cuts uh, 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 and because of, uh, and because of en existing budgetary gaps that they've had to fill. Uh, results of these investments have been mixed, with some authorities seeing being successful in their external investments, whilst others have gone uh, into potential Section 114 territory uh, in terms of, you know, certain authorities invested in energy companies, in, in sort of um, shopping centres, and sometimes these shopping centres have not been uh, even within their own electoral boundaries. But they've done this really on the proviso of earning returns uh, and, and plugging the budgetary gaps which have been generated uh, in their budgets due to austerity. And this is understandable, but it's not defensible in all cases. Because after all, this is public money. It's not personal money. So what about those authorities where the, the policy of commercial investment has worked? Uh, you know, and it has worked for some authorities. And I think in terms of the, the, the consultation, will these authorities perhaps in the future need to divest themselves of their investments, even, even though they, you know, they've been successful? So let's look in more detail at the specific proposals of the consultation on the Prudential Code. Uh, and let's look at uh, any responses uh, that, that we can sort of make to some of these questions. And remember, these responses that, that I'm sort of preferring to you today sort of represent my own views. Um, you know, you may not necessarily agree with them, but as someone who was involved in the initial production of the Prudential Code, I hope my responses will inform your own views on this consultation uh, and help you um, sort of come to a conclusion as to what you may want to sort of respond and, uh, and review. So paragraph, 40, paragraph 45 of the Prudential Code currently, questions one and two. Authority, I think authorities should strive not to borrow in advance of need, but if they do such action, it must be justified in terms of, uh, of uh, a tight and rigorous option appraisal and capital strategy process. In terms of question three, it's very difficult to define proportionality in relation to commercial investments and how might they might be defined. So, in terms of question three of the consultation, how are we going to define what is a commercial investment for an authority? We can talk about it, but how do we define it? Question four, commercial investment should be defined in terms of the return they are predicted to achieve for the authority and what that return will be used for. Um, so that's really trying to answer the, the question of, of the definition of, of commercial investments. In terms of sustainability of capital expenditure and its congruence with an authority's capital objectives, it, that should be covered 
in the initial option appraisal, um, question five there, but you know we can cover it in in the revised code but you know i'm harking back again <clears throat> in terms of you know why are we making this borrowing you know are we borrowing for a scheme or a project is this is this scheme or project prudent sustainable and affordable you know will it give the returns that we are predicting that it will give and let's hope it does but we've got to have a proper option appraisal and capital strategy process to define that and if we don't have that you know we're in danger of failure question six and seven of the consultation the presidential code should focus on the efficacy of the processes the authority adopts before it undertakes capital borrowing and again if we're looking at the indicators in some senses it's too late we can't bolt the door after the horse has escaped. Um, and indeed, let's look at the processes pre-borrowing approval for capital projects to ensure or try to ensure that we've done everything we can to assume that they will work. And, and I'll give you some examples uh, of how we can do that later on. I think one of the things that is, that is particularly important here is optimism bias and in any project appraisal the people who are involved with it always think it's going to be brilliant they always think it's going to work and one option would be for the code to include provisions within it now for any capital option appraisal of any risky investment that involves perhaps commercial investments and commercial returns to be actually farmed out to a peer review group which would feed into the option appraisal process or indeed some other external group which would provide a secondary check before any borrowing uh, uh, sort of uh, enterprises are entered into by the authority and before the project is, is pursued. And I think that would be sort of, uh, you know, perhaps a useful way forward. There's no real objection in terms of question eight of the consultation to including the including the status of the code uh, within the code itself and I think that should be self-explanatory. Question 9 of the consultation again no problem uh, with including additional commentary uh, on affordability and risk on commercial activity within the code. I think we need to include it within the code but we also need to look at the option appraisal and capital strategies pre-borrowing approval to ensure they've been actually um, completely exhausted and performed before we actually go into uh, uh, borrowing and capital mode. Question 10 of the consultation. Can indicators be extended or improved? Can indicators in terms of the prudential code, prudential borrowing? Yes, they can be extended and improved, but remember, they tend to be backward-looking and not forward-looking. Having new indicators won't ensure that commercial investments won't fail. Let's be absolutely clear about that. So having backward-looking uh, indicators telling us we have failed isn't going to stop the initial failure that's taking place. And that's sort of something that we should, um, in the realms of question 10 of the consultation, we should look at. 
there must be a much more of a of a focus on pre uh, borrowing approval capital planning capital expenditure and its risks and the financing of that capital expenditure we've got to be much much better at that and perhaps even farm it out as i've said before to a peer group of uh, on the appraisal team or to an external group to actually okay that in terms of question 11 and 12 of the of the consultation on prudential indicators i agree with the provision of new indicators for external debt to net revenue stream and commercial income to net revenue stream but there must be solid definitions of these indicators of what constitutes external debt and what constitutes commercial income from commercial investments um, you know some commercial investments in some authorities may be classified differently in others we need to be very very strict on what that means but again let's not you know sort of beat ourselves up about indicators uh, there needs to be a, a, a process of examining the situation before those indicators question 13 of the uh, consultation do we need a liability benchmark for an authority now this liability benchmark is destined to be a new indicator and this liability benchmark uh, in the consultation under question 13 is defined as net loans requirement plus short-term liquidity allowance and that's compared to the existing indicators of capital financing requirement and actual debt of the authority so we have this new sort of liability indicator that's been proposed in the uh, prudential code consultation i've got to be frank about this I, i've struggled to understand the meaning of this liability indicator i'm quite happy with capital financing requirement and actual debt of the authority i can see the logic of that but actually comparing those two net loans requirement and short-term liquidity allowances i think complicates the issue uh, I, I, you know, you know I, I don't see this liability indicator as being very well explained in the consultation at all, quite frankly. Um, it needs much more work doing on it. My own view is why can't we just project the external debt and cash flows of the authority into the future? Uh, and wouldn't that serve uh, just as well um, as this liability indicator that's been proposed by this this uh, prudential code indicators consultation um, I'm just not sure about that at all and explaining that liability to indicated to members will be a pretty difficult task I can tell you that now question 14 of the code not particularly bothered it, it, if a liability if this liability indicator if it's agreed upon whether it's included in the prudential indicators or the treasury management indicators um, of the prudential code i'm not really too bothered i have reservations about this liability indicator i just think there needs to be a lot more work done on it in terms of question 15 i do not believe in the removal of the capital financing requirement indicator 
Um, I don't believe in it because I think it's a useful indicator. I think it should stay. The liability indicator being proposed, I think, as I've said before, needs much more work on it. As an alternative, could, uh, the, the, uh, could the project move forward uh, in terms of an authority's uh, position, perhaps moving forward on uh, looking at external debt, capital financing requirement, and perhaps cash flow as well, perhaps predicting those uh, in a future scenario um, of, of, of sort of those indicators. So what, what I'm trying to say is that, that hopefully I've, I've, I've considered uh, the authorities' uh, prudential indicators uh, and my particular response to the, to the enumerated questions in, in the CIPLA consultation on the prudential indicators. So let, now let's turn to the Treasury management indicators that the, that the code consultation uh, is proposing. And the, the consultation asks seven questions about the Treasury management processes of local authorities and how they need to change. So question one of the Treasury management indicators, and I think yes is the answer to question one. An authority should document all the Treasury management skills of people working in the Treasury management area of a local authority. Perhaps uh, uh, the direct work, um, direct work with the Corporate Treasurers Association, perhaps working on a joint code that <clears throat> all Treasury management officers within local authorities should adhere to. Um, I think that would be perhaps a way forward on that. We do need properly trained people to look at the treasury management functions of authorities, especially with the new DFID requirements. Question two of the treasury management code um, consultation. Yes, we do need a skills schedule for treasury management professionals within local government. Uh, we should include that in the code. Uh, and we should include the competences for treasury management people as well um, who work in this area in, in, in sort of local authorities. I think that's a given. Question three, the monitoring of treasury management knowledge and skills should be included in the code. Yes, it should. Question four, guidance for the code should include key competencies for treasury management professionals, yes. But I think we should draw on other institutes like the Corporate Treasurer's Institute um, to actually give some guidance as to what a treasury management officer in a local authority should be able to achieve and should be able to do. And that should be incorporated in the code as well. Question five, there's an emphasis on environmental, social and governance risks of the Treasury's management process in, the, um, in local government. And yes, they should be included in a Treasury management programme within the Prudential Code. And in, in fact, the CFA um, Institute is actually proposing a certificate in environmental, social and governance investment and perhaps CIPFA could work with the CFA to incorporate elements of that certificate into the Prudential Code. So we would have 
corporate treasurers and the CFA elements there in the Prudential Code addressing the issues around the Treasury Management Indicators that the new revised code should adopt. In terms of a local authority, uh, what uh, question six of the Treasury Management Indicators uh, consultation is proposing, a local authority should have um, a separate committee of trained, and I that, that's my sort of um, uh, constraint there, trained members who should, uh, should oversee Treasury Management of the authority. But I would take this further. I would, I would say that the uh, local authority should have a specific committee which should cover the following. It should cover the borrowing, the investment, uh, uh, and the treasury management functions of an authority. Uh, 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 and that would include uh, the sort of uh, capital cash and revenue cash positions as well. So that particular, we shouldn't just confine that committee to treasury management, but we should call it a, a bit committee. So borrowing, investment and treasury management. And I think that's a real opportunity for SIPFA because members of that committee should, should uh, 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 ultimately responsible for the borrowing, uh, investment and treasury management policy of the authority. And they should be adequately trained to make sure that they are making the right decisions. All too often in this sphere, um, we've presented spreadsheets full of indicators to committees and, uh, and they've not really understood them. And I think this is, this is a real chance for SIPFA to actually indulge in training particular members, equipping them for a wider role in terms of that committee to ensure that they are competent to deal with borrowing and investment and treasury management decisions and strategies about indicators and also about the pre-indicator activity as well. We also need to ensure uh, within this committee perhaps that minimum revenue pr provision is properly considered by members as well because minimum revenue provision and interest form the basis of the charges for capital that hit the revenue account of local authorities. Again, there's great scope for SIPFA to enhance training of committee members in an enhanced committee um, with uh, covering those areas, not just treasury management, but borrowing and investment as well. In terms of question seven uh, regarding the, the changes to the um, to the, to, to the Treasury Management in Indicators. I personally do not agree with the removal of the maturity structure of borrowing uh, Treasury Management Indicators. I think the maturity structure of borrowing is particularly important um, to actually maintain. We need to know where, when our loans need replacing. We need to plan for that in Treasury Management circles. And I think that needs to stay. Nor do I necessarily agree with the introduction of the liability benchmark indicator. And I've spoken about this earlier, earlier on in this podcast. I don't think that indicator has been particularly well explained. I think it could be uh, mapped just as well by looking at external debt, 
capital financing requirement and cash flow over time. And I think that liability indicator would be difficult to explain to members. Uh, and my God, it's difficult enough to explain it, uh, these indicators to them in any case. Um, so not, not really sure about that one. So in summary, uh, the points that the consultation must consider, uh, but perhaps hasn't considered to any great depth, uh, and which it should consider, uh, include the following. Let's be frank. Seven authorities have been allowed to borrow to fund revenue de deficits and prevent uh, possible Section 114 positions for local authorities. And I think this is a radical departure for local authority borrowing in terms of account its accounting, accounting for it, and the purpose of borrowing. So how will changes to the code account for the, this borrowing, which really um, is there to prevent possible, uh, is to spread out revenue deficits of these seven authorities that have actually been given permission to borrow to fund those deficits. And that's a particular problem which the code doesn't, the code changes don't seem to address at all. So I think in terms of accounting, and I think in terms of actual reasons, um, the, the, that point needs to be addressed. How will the code deal with borrowing from internal funds for a local authority? We've actually, we've actually defined borrowing from internal funds earlier on in this podcast. I just want to, to sort of, um, but, you know, perhaps this is a, candid, a new candidature for a, for a new indicator. You know, borrowing from internal funds, it, it's quite a difficult uh, issue to consider um, and it needs to be brought to the fore pretty quickly because a lot of internal borrowing is also very important to consider. Capital option appraisal strategies and risk management must improve in local government. Could such uh, key decisions, as I've said before, be uh, subject to independent checks or peer review processes? What about authorities uh, lending monies to each other? And this is a new uh, area which, again, the code doesn't seem to consider in any depth. I, the proposed changes to the code don't seem to. I mean, one authority has been, has been taken to task by the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, but it has actually uh, refused to reveal from which authorities, other authorities, neighbouring authorities, it has borrowed monies from. And I think that's sort of something that ne the code needs to consider uh, as well as, uh, as anything else in terms of the indicators. Just to reinforce the point that more indicators will not solve uh, the crisis, only better appraisal and planning will, uh, and, and we need to focus on that. Another important point, who will police an authority's commercial borrowing? Um, you know, it, once we've made some borrowing, uh, and after, in, in a year or two's time, it fails. Or, or you know we've borrowed money, uh, borrowed monies, and we, we've made an investment. It's it's connected with regeneration. You know it may, it may not have been strictly borrowed in, adv in advance. It's connected to a regeneration project, 
and it fails. Who's going to police that? Who's going to say, well, you've made this, it's failed. You know, are, are we sort of relying on the external auditors to prefer a judgment on whether these things have failed? And, and you know, the, the results of that will be mixed. Some auditors will, 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 will sort of go for that. Other auditors will be quite reluctant to sort of go back in time and judge whether decisions were the decisions made a year or two ago were the right ones or the wrong ones, given the actual circumstances at the time. So I think we've got to we've got to be sort of very very, you know, sort of careful about that. And if authorities have uh, made successful external investments that do bring in um, sort of returns, and I've mentioned this before. Will they be forced to divest those investments or not? Uh, and would it, divesting those investments make those authorities worse off, uh, you know, if, if they hadn't done so? And they can, again, um, issues there to, to consider, um, you know, in terms of, of, of how we might want to process, uh, process these issues. So the key to not using borrowing for key commercial projects is secure financial and capital option appraisal before borrowing decisions are entered into. Uh, having more indicators, as uh, changes to the code suggest, uh, is useful, uh, and having a stronger uh, prudential code is useful. But both, they're a necessary condition, but they're not a sufficient condition of having an effective borrowing and cash management strategy for an authority. We've got to look at the processes prior to the calculation of the indicators to ensure that we're doing the right thing in terms of the Prudential Code. I think that the provision of a committee in a, in a local authority or fire authority is a local authority which is observing the Prudential Code, that committee looking at borrowing investment and treasury management as a whole, that committee, those committee members being trained, um, um, you know, to do that, um, that would widen the actual um, sort of uh, the actual proposals within uh, within the Prudential Code consultation as they now exist, and I think that's you know a good way forward. So. I've tried here very much to um, look at the, the history, the background of the Prudential Code and the actual proposals that SIFR have come up with in terms of both the borrowing elements and the treasury manage, management elements in terms of indicators, processes and procedures. And I've tried to, to sort of give some answers in terms of my own thoughts as to how uh, you know the, these changes can be addressed and how the code uh, can be uh, can be smartened and, and and sort of made you know a little bit more fit for purpose. Um, I think it, it, it you know we need to focus on the pre-borrowing uh, agreement processes of capital option appraisal, uh, capital strategies. And I understand Sipfer will be publishing something on that. Uh, yeah, sort of in the summer, uh, but those are the issues we need to consider. And also, you know, there are risky investments that authorities have entered into using public money. 
Would these investments have been entered into if the capital option appraisal process would have been subject to independent check and review? Um, would, would that have happened? I think it would have been a lot less likely to have happened if such a process existed. Uh, and I think the code um, could actually uh, factor that into, um, into its recommendations uh, for change. Okay, well, I hope that, the, that this podcast has given you food for thought in terms of, of looking at the, uh, at the questions and the responses to the consultation that CIPFA has launched on the, on the Prudential Cove. I do hope it's given you some food for thought. The, the final date for submitting your responses to this consultation is the 12th of April 2021. And the responses need to be submitted to don, D-O-N, dot peebles at sipfa.org or richard dot lloyd dash bithel at sipfa.org. Um, so please take into account some of the issues that I've raised in this podcast today. I hope that they've helped you in, in your quest to come up with some responses to the, the, the Prudential Code. We do face a very challenging um, sort of climate at the moment. And the future of local government borrowing, capital financing, investment, cash management, treasury management is really in your hands in terms of the responses that you make to the code. I hope that some of the, the issues and points I've raised help you in those responses uh, uh, and I wish you all the best uh, for the future in terms of, uh, of your responses to this consultation. So this is Roman Halushchak from Growth Consulting um, just signing off on this one, uh, wishing you all the very best. Um, it's going to be a, a long Easter weekend. I hope that you will have the... Um, uh, the time to consider this podcast uh, uh, and hopefully it will inform your, your uh, response to the Prudential Code consultation by the 12th of, of April. Um, you know, good luck uh, and uh, hope to, to speak to you again. Thank you very much for listening.